Today, we are going to be talking to my returning guest co-host and contributor today, Kimberla Lawson-Roby. Coming up next, right here on The Right Stuff. Hi, and welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to Kim Roby. She is an author, podcaster, and speaker, and she is going to just tell us what her life has been like as an author who has written 29 books, several of them bestsellers, what the Lord has done in her life, how she can encourage you as an author, and so much more. More importantly, she's going to help you, dear listener, to learn how to be the best woman or man of God that the Lord created you to be. That's coming up next in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click on that pink follow button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring on Kim Roby. Kim, how are you doing today? I am doing well, Parker. How are you doing? I am fine. It is such a joy to have you back on the show. Before we started recording, I was just talking to you about how long it's been since the last time you were with us and just how honored I am that you would take time out of your schedule once again to be here with me. I had just started the show. Here you are again, just supporting me. So I want to thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me and inviting me to come on with you at the very beginning. Um, you know, this has been a number of years, so I'm just excited for you, proud of you and, and very happy to be back on. And I definitely want to give a shout out to Letitia Cunningham, who connected us together. I remember when I was looking for guests, she said, you need to ask Kimberla Lawson Roby. And I remember looking you up and I'm going, there's no way I can ask Kimberla Lawson Roby. <laughs> but you were just so gracious. And then she came onto the show with you and she was talking about how your books really tackle pastor accountability with Curtis, Reverend Curtis. And she said, you get on these people's toes. That's what she said. And those are her words on that show. And over time, as the world has progressed, we see all these various scandals coming up out of the church, particularly from different places, from one place here to one place there. It's almost as if your books are letting people know that people are looking for godly leaders or godly people to do what they said they're going to do. And your stories explore this in many different ways. And so as an author, when you look back from your first book, to your current book right now called Sister Friends Forever. What have you learned throughout that process? You know, it has certainly been a very interesting journey, 
but also a wonderful journey, one that I wouldn't have even known to pray for as much early on. And, you know, knew that I wanted to write a book. I sat down and started doing that. But of course, you know, was not doing that until I turned 30 years old. So that was in 1995. So I'd done so much more before that, working in corporate America, working for state government, working for city government, and the list just sort of went on and on and on. And so when I started my career, I just knew that I wanted to write contemporary stories. I wanted to write mainstream fiction. Um, you know, I wanted to write about real life issues that any of us might experience on a daily basis. And if we have not experienced it, we usually know someone who has, or we likely will in the future. And so after writing Behind Closed Doors, what I heard from readers more often than not was that was, in fact, the reason they had kept reading. They knew who the characters were. They could relate to the characters and the obstacles and the trials that they were dealing with and trying to overcome, or they knew family members or coworkers who did. And so I decided at that point that I would continue doing that. And so I did the same thing with the second book, which was entitled Here and Now. Then when I wrote my third book and I was preparing to write it and trying to figure out what it would be about, what topics it was center on, I said to my husband, I really want to stick with writing about real life issues in a fictional format, the same as my readers are asking me to, but I really want to write something this time that every person imaginable will know about. And so he was the one who said, what about a lot of the issues that go on in churches? And he meant some of the not so nice things that tend to go on in churches. And having been raised up in church from the time I was born, I had certainly seen a lot. I knew a lot and I had heard a lot. And so from there, the the Reverend Curtis Black character and that storyline was born. It was never my intent to write a series, but once again, readers were asking me to do so. And my agent literally called me one day and said, you know, I realize you don't want to write a series. It has never been your plan to write a sequel to any of your books. But when you have readers who are so loyal to you, the way that yours are with you, you really have an obligation to give them what they're asking for. And so from there, the series began. And then I also began writing standalone titles as well. So for a while, I was writing two books a year. What's incredibly fascinating is that over the time that you've been writing, your readership has grown. And as an author, when you first started this, you didn't see yourself down this path, did you? No, I absolutely did not. You know, I was hoping to, of course, write the first book, hoping to get it published. Of course, that's a whole other story. I was rejected by every literary agent and every publisher I submitted to and ended up self-publishing the book. But even when I signed with an agent and she was able to sell the second book to a traditional publishing house, I still wasn't really sure that I would say make the New York Times bestseller list, the USA Today bestseller list. I didn't see any of that happening. I was just hoping to get that book out. I was hoping to be able to go on and write another book and hopefully another one. And so it really was a dream come true, but it was, you know, more than anything, it was a blessing from God because as a black woman writing about predominantly black characters in all of my books, I knew that that would be my primary audience. What I was not prepared for was that all of my readers were kind enough to share my work with coworkers and members of their churches or neighbors, you know. And so I ended up being able to get my work out to women in general and even men once I started writing the Reverend Curtis Black character. 
And I'm going to read her bio here so you can understand what she means when she looks back over her career. Kimberla Lawson Roby is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author and speaker who has published 29 books, including her nonfiction title, The Woman God Created You to Be, Finding Success Through Faith, Spiritually, Personally, and Professionally, and her novels, Sisters, Sister Friends Forever, Casting the First Stone, Better Late Than Never, A Christmas Prayer, It's a Thin Line, and her debut title, Behind Closed Doors, which she originally self-published through her own company. Kimberla's books have frequented numerous bestsellers lists such as the New York Times, USA Today, the Washington Post, Publishers Weekly, Essence, Black Christian News, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and many others. She is the recipient of the 2013 NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Literary Work Fiction and the 2017 Soar Radio Trailblazer of Honor Award. And in 2020, she was named by USA Today as one of the 100 Black novelists you should read. Now you read, you read that bio from someone who's just reading it to you. And I wonder, do you still get like, how did that happen? When did that happen? And it's just a journey, I guess. And it is. And, you know, to think, wow, where I started out, first of all, not even knowing that I could write a book, didn't know that I could do it well enough, first of all, to get it out to the masses of readers and certainly to have it published. But then fast forwarding throughout the years, almost 30 years, because I actually, again, started writing in 1995. So in April, it will be 28 years since I sat down and made that decision to even start writing my first book. So as I just said, you know, it's like, I can't even really explain that, except that I never thought that I would write. Uh, It was never my aspiration to write nonfiction because fiction is what I had always done for so many years. And, but God literally continued to place that on my heart and in my mind and it wouldn't go away. And it was going to bed with it and getting up with it. And I share in the book how that became the time in my life when I realized that when God calls you to do something, he always gets what he wants if you're obedient. And so I decided that after I wrote the final book in the Reverend Curtis Black series, which I had planned to do for a little while, that I would take a break and then start focusing more on that. And so that book was released in the summer of 2018. I took a break for the rest of the year. And then about the first quarter or so of 2019, I started outlining The Woman God Created You to Be. But I was terrified to write it because I wasn't sure I could. And then I thought, well, if I can write it, then I'm not sure I'll be able to do it well enough in the way that I believe God wants me to, because I knew that he was calling me to write a book that would help others. And that also would mean that I needed to be transparent, not just talk about the successes and some of the great things that have happened in my life, some of the things that he's blessed me with, but it was going to require me to talk about some of the good, the bad, and the ugly, some of the flaws and the fears and the failures. But I continued on my path. I made up my mind to do so. And what I share with everyone when I'm talking about this book and how important it is to really be obedient and go ahead and trust God and do what he's calling you to do, because the book that I was terrified to write ended up being my most enjoyable writing experience ever of all 29 books that I have written. What's incredible is on this show, we always encourage authors whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. 
because of that, it can be quite terrifying to do what God called you to do because you don't think you can do it. I like how you said, instead of being the most laborious book, it was the most enjoyable. Do you think it's because the Lord is allowing you to first share your experiences with others, good, bad, or indifferent? And it helps build a connection with you and the reader, not just in the fictional world, but in a shared non-fictional way. I do. I absolutely think it has everything to do with that. It it was enjoyable because it was very real. You know, there was nothing fictional about it, but it really allowed me to share parts of my life that I now realize I've heard from so many readers ever since the book was released three years ago that I either had respect for you, Kimberla, or I've always enjoyed reading your books. But now that respect and the love that I have for you is on a different level because I feel like I know who you are as a person. And so I think, too, that a lot of times if God allows you to experience a certain amount of success or, you know, you end up being blessed to do something that lots of other people want to do, they tend to believe that's what your life is like every single day, 365 days a year. They want to switch places with you. And sometimes, you know, readers and writers especially will joke with me and say, I want to be who you are when I grow up. And so one of the things that I share in the book is here's the thing, you know, you really want to be who God called you to be and really focus on that because in order to switch places with me, you're going to have to take every aspect of who I am. So that means that at 36 years old, you're going to lose the most important person on this earth. And that is your mother when she's only 57 years old. And to be me, you're going to have to struggle with anxiety. You know, that's going to start happening to you out of the blue. You won't even see it coming and you'll have to struggle with that. You're going to have to start struggling with insomnia in a way that you never could have even imagined. And so I think because I shared so much of who I am and what I've struggled with and some of the pain and losses that I've experienced in my life that really did connect me to my readers much more than it did when I was just writing the fictional stories. I think you brought up a very interesting point. And a lot of writers get consumed with imposter syndrome. They meet someone who knows what they're doing on the surface. They have all the success in the world and they're like, oh, I want to be like so-and-so. And you put the nail in the hat there where you said, if you want to be like me, you have to lose the most important person in your life. And you said your mom. And of course, I resonate with that on a different level because I lost my grandmother in 2021. And she was a very important part of my life. I had her my entire life. And when she was gone, there was a massive chasm that opened up in my life. And it was like having your foundation destroyed. But the Lord is my foundation. And it was rough. It was one of the roughest things in my life. So I truly understand. I can't sympathize quite because I still have my mother. But when you, you lose that foundation, yeah. I could definitely sympathize with you there. And if people are like, well, no, I can't do that. No, I can't deal with that right now. No, you don't want that part of it. You just want the good parts of me, you know, and that's it. But but you're right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I, I think back to, you know, when I was a child and I lost my grandfather, my grandparents were like second parents to me. And then it was my grandmother. But, you know, when my grandfather died, I still had my grandmother, 
my dad, my mom, you know, when my mom passed away, then I still had my husband. And, and so, you know, I still have him. But boy, as you said, was that foundation shaken. And I found myself wondering how in the world God was expecting me to go on without her. Amen. Actually, my editor who edits our podcast, his name is James. He told me that he lost his father when he was 18. And I was just blown away by that because I couldn't imagine losing my father at that age. And James has to take care of his family. And he's the only one who is the breadwinner in his family. And he takes care of all of them. So when he told me that, I was just blown away. Like 18 years old and you lose your father? (laughs) Wow, I don't want that. No, no, no. And that's that's what I share. And so I think about that. It's like, okay, 36 was way too young. But, you know, then you start to realize, what about someone like James, you know, lost at 18? What about some of the children I know where they lost their moms when they were four, five, six years old? You know, and so you realize, oh, my gosh. But yeah, losing a mom and great grandparents who were just the best in the world. It is a tough thing to do. But yeah, that's what I share is like, you know, no, continue to live your life you know, the way that you need to and really stay focused on what God wants you to do as an individual. It brings me to the whole point of your podcast because it's based off this book. So how did that idea come into fruition? So wasn't planning for that either. Nobody could have told me pre-pandemic that I would even be thinking about starting a podcast and, you know, the, my faith in stepping out and writing the woman God created you to be. And then not only that, you know, I didn't share this, but moving to another level of faith when my plan was to submit this to my traditional publishing house. My editor knew that I was writing a nonfiction book, that I would be submitting it to her. One of their imprints, you know, would likely end up with it. One of the faith-based imprints there. But that's not how God was leading me. And he just kept leading me to self-publish it. And I thought, you know, clearly I'm not hearing this right, because who in their right mind is going to be with a major New York publisher who publishes all of your other books, who is fine that you're writing a nonfiction book, you've already had the conversation, they're expecting it, who's going to walk away from submitting it, getting an upfront advance to not getting an advance and now having to pay the editor, the copy editor, the book cover designer, the proofreader, the list, you know, the typesetter, all of that goes on and on. But no matter how I wanted to do it my way, that's still not the way God was leading me. And I trusted him. So fast forward, the book is released in January 2020. My speaking engagements, book signing events in various cities, everything is all set and ready to go. And then the shutdown of the entire country. And we may as well say basically the entire world happened exactly two months later. And so I thought this can't be real. You know, I've done what I know God has called me to do. I've stepped out on faith in a way with my career like I've I've never done before. Now everything has been canceled or postponed indefinitely. So that was a tough time, you know, and over those couple of months and it was a tough summer. And but then I kept going and, and then God placed it in my heart to do something from an audio perspective. I was thinking initially an audio book, which I still want to record for this, but it was definitely a podcast. I knew it as clear as day and So from there, that podcast was created and I started my, I think the first episode 
was actually released in December of 2020. And I did 25 episodes of that first season every single week. And you kind of look like now I have all this time to vote to this new thing here. And you didn't think that at first because you probably if things had panned out like we thought it would pan out in 2020 before we all got sent to our rooms, as one meme said, (laughs) you would probably be traveling, doing this, doing that. But the Lord truly does know what he is doing. He truly does understand this thing called making us to the men and women he created us to be. Now, are there any plans for a second season? Yep, that is my hope. I would really like to get back to doing that. And I'm getting requests all the time. And I'll, I'll tell you this, I have had, and it started right away when the book came out, you know, pastor's wives or leaders of women's ministry saying, We're not even sure that The Woman God Created to Be is a book that we would have known about or even taken the time out. But when the pandemic happened, they were looking for ways to bring all of their women in the church together via Zoom. And so this seemed like a good way to do it. So I ended up getting on with one women's ministry group or Christian book club after another, after another. Now that we're on the other side of it, you know, things are definitely better. We know that, you know, COVID has not gone away, but things are better. I'm still doing that on a regular basis. And so now with the podcast, hearing from women by email or on social media saying that really got me going every Monday morning to get my week started. And you never know how you're affecting anyone or how you're helping someone. So I definitely would like to do season two at some point. All because learning how to be obedient to God's will. And that's the thing we all need to be cognizant of is being obedient to God's will. And it's a difficult place to be because we are constantly resisting his will with our wants, his sovereignty over our desires, and just that constant push of the flesh and the spirit fighting each other constantly. It's a never ending battle. But we do find ourselves looking back going, huh, that worked out great <laughs> when we trust the Lord. Now, I raise it to your other book that you have, your newest release called Sister Friends Forever. And looking at this book, it's just such a heartwarming cover. You just see women holding each other. And I think that is the poster child of sisterhood and womanhood, holding each other together. Now, is this a standalone or is this with other books that you had? Tell us about Sister Friends Forever. It is a standalone and it is a book that I have been wanting to write for a very long time. Um, Something where, first of all, I'd be able to write about four best friends. And for a while, I didn't know if it'd be four best friends or four sisters, but I knew I wanted it to be this relationship, the sisterhood of women who have each other's back no matter what, and that they would have been doing that from the time they were small girls. And so in Sister Friends Forever, these women actually grow up in church together. They live on four separate sides of town. So they only know each other because their parents are all members of this particular church, but they grow up and they even go to four separate colleges, but they remain in touch. They remain best friends. They see each other every summer and they even do something that would be totally out of the ordinary. In most cases, the four of them decide that they are going to make their permanent home after college 
their hometown that they grew up in so that they can be close to family and so they can still be close to each other. But the main part of what I wanted to focus on as it relates to what each of them are dealing with and and where some of their struggles come in is that I wanted to write about the four relationship statuses. So Serena is still single has never even been proposed to, but certainly wants to be. Michelle is finally engaged for the very first time and about to be married in three months. Kenya is happily married, has two beautiful children. And then Lynette, sadly, is already divorced and trying to navigate what it's like to be a single mother and what it's like to get back out on the dating scene. And so it is the story of sisterhood that, I really wanted to focus on because not only before the pandemic, but certainly throughout the pandemic, of course, I have my husband, Will. I have my brothers and nieces and nephews and my brothers-in-laws and my sister-in-laws, all the people that I love and who I know love me beyond a shadow of a doubt. But it is also that sisterhood with my closest girlfriends that made a huge difference over these last two to three years. I almost think sisterhood is underrated sometimes because When you're at your lowest to have your girls with you, it is a different type of relationship than with your husband or your family. It's more so it's a bond that is family or familial in nature, but it's all chosen because you can't choose your family. right? You can't choose what you're born into. If you could, you probably wouldn't like them anyway, (laughs) but you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. And I think that has a massive effect on how we relate to people and to each other. That's why I think sisterhood is just wonderful. There are so many women's fiction books that explore this aspect of womanhood and sisterhood that I know that so many readers, if you look at the reviews, dear listener, you see so many readers are just raving about this book. It's her newest release. So go ahead and get your copy today available on amazon.com or wherever books are sold. And make sure you listen to The Woman God Created You To Be. You can get the book as well as tune into the podcast. Hopefully we'll be having season two coming out soon. And I can't wait to have Miss Kim back to go into that as well. In the few moments we have left, Kim, I want to say, first of all, thank you for being with me. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. This show is always about encouraging authors to write because God gave them that ability. How can you encourage our aspiring authors out there today? So the first thing that I would say is that if you know in your heart that writing is what you're supposed to be doing, that's what your passion is, that's what your purpose is, that you need to keep going with it and never, ever give up. And then the other thing is to write at least something every single day, even if it's just a paragraph or a page, because What I don't think sometimes a lot of writers realize because they're projecting and thinking, oh, in order to write a whole book, that's going to be a lengthy process. It's going to take me forever to do so. But if you write just one page a day at the end of a year, you'd have 365 pages, which is about the average length of a novel's. Uh, manuscript, the manuscript form of a novel, I should say. Um, The other thing I would share is to always write straight from your heart. Don't focus on what's trendy. Don't focus on what everyone's raving and talking about. Write what you know you want to write, what you believe in. Write what you know the story is that you're supposed to be telling um, and just keep going with it and then learn everything you can not just about the craft of writing, but also the business of publishing. 
Truer words have never been spoken because too often we as artists just want to be the creative part of it. But there's also an economic marketing (laughs) part of this author business that we're in, particularly today, because Amazon has made it really easy for your voice to be heard, but you've got to go through a lot of tech to get through it because you got algorithms, you got robots and chatbots and all this other stuff going on. So you really, really, really have to be invigorated to learn about the business side of authorship. And I got to ask you this question, Kim. This is probably controversial and you probably haven't thought about it just now. What do you think about this new AI that's supposedly are going to be able to write books for us. Yeah, you know, so I have been seeing a little bit about it. I haven't read articles in depth, but I've definitely seen that. I don't know. I I just think the idea of almost anything doing everything for us is a little bit interesting. It's probably the nicest way that I could say that. So that's going to be interesting to see. I'm not real sure about that. So I'm totally against it, Kim, completely against it. and. At the same time, there are going to be people who will consider themselves authors because they had an AI write the story. And I say to that, AI can only collate information. It can never be inspired. You can update it, but people are inspired by their experiences. And just like Kim said on the show today, dear listener, she didn't plan this journey, but the Lord knew what this journey would entail. If she were to look back from the 90s till now, she didn't see this. She probably still thought she'd be in corporate America. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I say all that to say this. Whatever you do, do it well and unto the Lord. And Kim, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Can't wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Parker. Please keep doing what you're doing. And I look forward to chatting with you again in the future. And we were talking today to Kimberla Lawson Roby. She is an author, speaker and podcaster. And she really showed us what her journey has been like as an author. You may be listening and you want to know what can I do to do what she's doing? You don't want to do what she's doing. Do what God called you to do, dear author. So go ahead, pick up the pen and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.